Welcome to Raising Nashville. I'm Bucky. Juicebox. Oh boy. And this week we want to cover something uh, that is more Nashville related as far as the topic goes. And not only Nashville, but the country is seeing this explosion of Pac-Man fever. You can call it Pac-Man fever, but it is like basically the resurgence of arcades and arcade bars and um you know i guess they were ne- never really bars back in the day but now you know when you yeah. mix alcohol with something that is very nostalgic uh it seems to work and especially for our generation especially and we're talking about the generation that was born you know I'd say early 70s to mid 80s. Um, yeah, I'll give you that. Would you guys okay. agree with that? Like yeah, yeah, early I think 70s to mid 80s. And in Nashville specifically, there has been this explosion. And I'm sure in very many cities across the country, things are popping up left and right that garner our interest in getting back into what they what they are trying to recreate is this arcade that we grew up with right Right. and uh what we want to do today is we want to give you guys some information we want to we want to prepare you for something in nashville that is coming uh that i think is going to you know bring this entire thing full circle but uh first we want to cover arcades specifically because this is it hits home with me over the last five years i've become an avid arcade person and i've uh acquired a few arcade games in my basement and i'm now up to four i've traded through you know six or seven but now i have a officially four in my basement and i want i want everybody out there to know because I want to know, to be honest with you, we've done a little bit of uh, research on each one of our ends on the rise of arcades, the fall of arcades, and then the resurgence. And that's what we want to get into today. Yeah, so we'll just start off with a brief history. One thing, uh, it doesn't really, it's not super relevant, but like the history of the word arcade is comes from a means of series of arches, which is basically like... A series of arches held up a roof and had these little like entertainment type districts or shops and stuff like in cities. So that's like kind of how it got its name. Like if you think about it, we still have the arcade downtown here. Sure, you know, right. It's like very old timey, just um, shops, restaurants. Yeah. yeah. So you know the name the name arcade has been around for you know hundreds of years or, or that, but it, the meaning of it has changed somewhat over time. And for those of you who are now part of the 87 people who move here every day you should visit the arcade downtown because it's home of many different ethnic restaurants uh like manny's house of pizza it has a bunch of different you know art installations it has you know you can get your shoes shined you can buy you know all kinds of knickknacks there people love knickknacks uh, and you can you eat. can get a magua there. You can get a magua. <laughs> it, it is you that can get type a magua. Of place. You can uh, you can eat from around the world, many different cultures. Yeah, it's a cool spot. Definitely check it out downtown. But it's only open what until like four o'clock, so it's kind of like during the week. During the week, yeah. I think it's like a nine thirty to three thirty type thing. Yeah, if you don't, if you work during the week and you don't work downtown, it is kind of tough to get to it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't have an arcade. No, uh, they don't. in the modern yes. term or modern sense of the word. Exactly. You're going down there to play, yeah, Galaga. <laughs> you're shit out <laughs> you of You took luck. the day off to go play Galaga at the arcade. You're fucked. Yeah. So anyway, these entertainment parlor type things, like they started with um, 
like the penny arcade type thing, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with those. It was basically like you would put a penny in and some kind of mechanical thing would happen in a little scene. Like we went to, um, out in San Francisco, they have, oh man, a museum of, um, crap. I can't remember what the name of it is now, but it's out in San Francisco and they have just like this giant collection of all these old timey games like that. And it's literally just the most bizarre stuff you've ever seen. Like one of them was called the opium den. I'll try to, I I have videos of it. I'll try to post it on our line. But, uh, one of them was called the opium den. You put in your penny. It was just like two people laying on a couch. One of them kind of wiggled a little bit. And then this dragon like stuck its head in through the window. So it, was just like, so it was like that type of stuff. Like people are, you know, there's no interaction really. Like you just put in money and, and pay for that. And, or, and then, you know, that gave birth to like the, um, porn. Cause no. it kind of sounds like porn or was tattooed on Pete and Pete's arm. Do you remember Pete and Pete when he had yeah, Petunia? Well, who was that? Petunia? Yeah. No, sorry. <laughs> I think it was Petunia. No, she she always danced. Oh, anyway, those so those gave way to like the stuff that was like the I think it was called kinetoscopes or whatever, where you could watch like a little moving picture was synced with sound, like before the movies or before any of that stuff. Like it was just like all these like gimmicky type things. Sure. Anyway, that gave, that all goes to shit basically in the 1930s when the first pinball machine is invented in 1931, I believe. So yeah, in 1931, uh, David Gottlieb invented some pinball machine called Baffle Ball, and then there was somebody else that invented something called Ballyhoo in 1932, and those two were two first pinball machines, and that just really took it up a notch. Um, but even from the get-go, there was, well, see, there's always been a pushback against arcades and video games and these type of games, and it was initially they were trying to say that those were used for gambling, like it was a way to skirt gambling laws because it was much less about skill and more about you would put in your quarter say and the ball would shoot up and do some things and you weren't like really controlling it yeah exactly yeah so it was more of a thing of chance there so there were some aspects that maybe could be considered you know you could gamble on it or whatever but ultimately you're hitting a ball and there's what 16 holes it could potentially fall in and if it falls in that hole you get some points i mean it I get the gambling aspect of it, but uh, I also get where our country was at that point, you know, and that's... Yeah, well, and it's anything new. It's like people, there's a backlash against it. Sure. I feel like we've talked about that on pot, previous podcasts or yeah. whatever. So anyway, but, but despite that, pinball rules until like the, you know, 60s or like 70s. I think at the first, one of the first uh, like video video games was a uh, pong came out in 72 um and then there was like a couple weird race games that came out like that later in the 70s um, but they were still pretty primitive but you know it wasn't there weren't video games before that sure so that kind of started to turn the corner and people started being less into pinball more into yeah the digital yeah and then um a dude named nolan bushnell open like works for starts atari or whatever and makes some of the, like the most iconic video games out there and like really starts to turn the corner like in the late 70s is basically like that's when it booms that's when it yeah. that's when it really starts to pick up yeah but even then like there's always been this whole entire time there's always been this like negative outlook on arcades like people like just look down on like their seedy shady areas which 
I mean, I'm not going to lie. Some of the arcades I grew up going to were pretty shady. But that's when we grew up going to them. And that that is something that I want to drive home today with our listenership out there is when we grew up, you know, we're all in our upper 30s, you know, uh, early 40s. When we grew up going to video uh, or arcades, they were kind of on the outskirts or they were they were starting to become obsolete and we didn't realize that because it was like the biggest thing in our world when you went to a mall with your mom or your dad and they wanted to go shopping you were just like i'm just gonna go down to aladdin's castle and chill and that was great because it was ultimately like a babysitter for us for our parents to go shopping and that doesn't exist anymore and it puts kind of a strain on parents like us that are you know sitting here doing a podcast like this but I, I get that they were on the outskirts, but then you have, you know, shows that are going on right now, like uh, Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. And they ultimately, you know, not this past season, which was ultimately the mall, but the season before that, which was the arcade, uh, it, it shines a good light on what we all thought arcades were because you're eight, nine, ten to 12 year old mind is completely different than your adult mind. So, even if we walked into an arcade and it was on, you know, the the fritz or it's, you know, not making any money anymore, we thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, just to be see that many video games. Did and, you guys ever go to a Lens Castle or whatever, even if you didn't have money and just like walk around and almost like shop the games? You're like, well, well, sure. When I when I get a couple quarters, I, I think I'm gonna get that one and try. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Watch your parents wouldn't get like. To me, it was allowance. It was like if yeah. I didn't have allowance, I couldn't go up into my mom and say, "Hey, I need some money to go play this game so you can go shop." Okay, um, I just want to make sure. Okay. There were some kids that parents always gave them money to go to the arcade. No, no, so no. I, now just, that I, think, I just needed to know who I was dealing with. Here. And now that I think back on it, I should have used that as like blackmail. As like, <laughs> I could make your shopping experience miserable, or you could give me some quarters, and I could spend the next you know hour to hour and a half here. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a, you'd be getting a visit from that paddle, is what I think. I think. <laughs> so, anyway. What a lot of people consider the golden age of the arcade was 78 to 81, because during that time is when Space Invaders came out, Asteroids came out, um, Defender, yeah. Pac-Man, Missile Command, Centipede, and the original Donkey Kong. All those came out in a three-year span. And, I mean, those are, granted, aside from Pac-Man and maybe the first Donkey Kong, I don't know about you guys, I don't really want to play any of those other games at oh, this point. Oh, shit, I love Asteroids, dude. Asteroids I'm, is I'm a Defender fan, too. Okay, so so you've got yours, too. But Okay, well... Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm... I, those I'm, are iconic games that come out in just, like, a three-year span. I mean, sure. Those, like, basically shape video games for, for, for the next 20 years. You're right. Introduction of Donkey Kong. You got Mario in there, too. That's pretty... Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild. But then in the 80s, I mean, I, I can only imagine because uh, being an avid, like, I don't know, I wouldn't say collector, but somebody who searches things out and somebody who researches this on a daily basis, there are so many games that were created in the 80s. Yep. And it's almost like, uh, to touch back on a previous podcast we've done, you know, Halloween came out in 1978, and then in 1980, mm. uh, Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th comes out, and, and then blew it away. It didn't necessarily blow it away, right? But like it created, Asteroids and Galaga. It created, which would you play? It created the the you know platform for all of these people to come on and copycat. 
you know, so Sleepaway Camp and Chucky and like all these movies came out becomes because of that. The the games that you just <laughs> mentioned, uh, you know, you, there, you, like, there were you make like it sound like Halloween is the only was the first scary movie <laughs> of all time. It is the best Pac Man of slasher films. Um, there was a Pac-Man first. <laughs> yeah, but nobody bought it. That's why they created Miss Pac-Man. No, that's, that's, um, that's so in true. the 80s, they created so many games. I mean, right. like, you're talking about a thousand different titles. Yeah, um, everything. Yeah, you're, I'll talk about those um, in the fall of the arcade, in the decline. Yeah, well, let's start to talk about that because the decline was about, you know, according it's, to this, it was the early 80s. It's, you know, when we were... A couple years old, or not which, right. born which or absolutely blows me away because I assume the fall came much later than that. So there was a rise of arcades and then a fall of arcades, and now we're in a world of what we call the resurgence. And I didn't realize; I thought the fall of arcades came probably in the late '90s, and um, because that's when I remember arcades starting to disappear from malls and yeah. disappear from places that you could go access them. Yeah. Um, but it actually happened much earlier than that. Yeah. So the, the real downfall and, and a, a true arcade was, was aimed at kids or young adults. It didn't serve food. It was purely pinball and video games. And that's, and that's what it, that's all it was. You paid yeah, in quarters. I think that's an important just uh, distinction too, because that is really what people are considering like arcade, like Sole income is based off arcade quarters. Right. And yep, um, exactly. so I, I got my information off a, an article from The Verge, which uh, which was really good, and it covered the rise and fall of a video game. So, or, or arcade games uh, specifically. So they covered they covered a few different factors, and I'm I'm going to cover four of those factors. And they really got into the the backlash actually. And I was I'm glad you kind of touched upon it because I was going to stay away from it because I'm the same way. Like violence in video games they're talking about violent video games like from i don't know like things that you couldn't even really tell was a person you know what i mean so it's yeah, like just the <laughs> act of like shooting right at something or whatever right it's like pixels it's blowing up and it, yeah, yeah and they're like that's way too violent i'm like get the fuck out so um compared but, to what we live through today <laughs> right gta so the <laughs> As arcade games uh, became more and more popular, arcades popped up everywhere. So initially, like we were talking about, you had a few. There was a few really popular video games, um, and there were only a few true arcades in cities and towns. Mm. But it was a cash grab. People, it blew the hell up. I guess in the late '70s. So a town that might have one or two arcades, all of a sudden now it has ten. Mm -hmm. So you got increased competition, and it's very saturated. So that's factor number one because with with that you've got less people you got less foot traffic basically mm -hmm. which uh which leads me into uh factor number two arcade owners didn't really own for the most part didn't own the machines that were in their arcades they leased them from manufacturers or or got a loan yeah i would buy them on credit yeah i read that and i was absolutely blown away because today they're so easily accessible at full price and to me, if they were selling these games back then for what they are now, which they probably were a little bit more, why are you leasing all of these games? You know, if I can pay $500 to get a Pac-Man in my house, you know, how long is it going to take quarter-wise to get that money back? I think that's because there's such an, like, you don't want to spend 
all that overhead initially. Like it's like you lease these machines if they're making money, you you know, you're paying them off or whatever. Like, sure. But it's better than spending you know fifty grand on video games to realize that uh, this is not working out. Right. But number three, we already talked about arcades were aimed at kids. Yeah. Um, They didn't have any, they didn't serve alcohol. They didn't serve food. There's no other source of revenue. Mm -hmm. So if a game wasn't producing, which I've read zero, it doesn't matter the best title you have there. No game was profitable. Sure. So, um, which leads me into number four, junk games. As people, as manufacturers, they're like, all right, we need the next Pac-Man, right? So they're just pumping games out and they're, they're producing thousands of games leasing them out to all these people and they're junk man i mean like true blue people that want to come in the the people that pump out the most quarters they come in they know a junk game they're like nah, this is this is bullshit well that's what yeah i don't know if it was i I know the article you're talking about i can't remember if it was that or another one but it was talking about how there was like a really tricky balance between like having a game that appealed to enough people that they could just pump like people would be pumping money into it right or making it a little harder so the hardcore people would like stick on it and try to like really it's, beat it so it's there was twofold like a, yeah. yeah so and then if you got if you got a lot of games sitting there not making money you're paying you still owe money on them mm-hmm. um plus everybody else in town has a damn arcade so your foot traffic's down it was a it was a bubble waiting to burst so it was it, the decline happened really quick but did that decline also correlate with the fact of uh, bringing consoles into a household? That yes. was more so than the original Atari. And mm. I, yeah. I want to say, like like you said, the decline happened in the early 80s. I didn't know that because I assume the decline happened in the late 80s when Super, Nintendo was Nintendo, in, yeah. introduced yeah. and Super Nintendo. And then it, it goes into the complete 90s with consoles at your house. And... The you know ease of being able to play anything that you want to play from the comfort of your own home, and I remember early. I mean, I was we we were still 12, 13, 14 in the mid nineties, and there were still arcades at Rivergate Mall, and well, there sure. were still arcades at you know uh, Hickory Hollow Mall that we went to and sure. we saw it out. We went from uh, independent locations to shopping malls, and Aladdin's Castle was a big thing. Yeah. Um, that was the national company who ran arcades and they sure. kind of had the monopoly on arcades in the country um, because they were in a profitability standpoint to where they didn't have to lease these games and they were, you know, you know, you have a captured audience. Corporation. Yeah. You have a captured um, audience, man. You got kids at malls cause their parents are at malls. Malls were a big deal. So yeah. Um, malls are ghost towns now. Sure. Yeah. So see, it's weird to me because like you guys talked about there wasn't that many arcades. Like I can remember the whole entire time I grew up, there was at least four arcades that were fairly accessible to me. And that was in Lexington, Kentucky, not even like the biggest city, sure. you know. There was like there was Aladdin's Castle in every mall. We had three malls. There was at least there was two standalone arcades. There was Tony's Arcade and Kentucky Arcade. Like one of them was in the heart of camp of UK campus. One of them was like you know kind of out towards where we lived, and it was just like in a strip mall, and it was just a straight up smoky arcade that you would go Damn. to. Like I remember going there when I was like you know twelve or thirteen, and just being like, "This feels." Oh, dirty yeah. and weird and great like it was just i'm home yeah but there was an idea of making money back then because to me gas stations i went in had like one you know um yeah. mario brothers in it and certain gas stations certain liquor stores like we talk about my unicorn game is a thing called tapper 
um, which Budweiser made, and I think they made like 700 of them to put in uh, like beer stores and liquor stores just to promote their product. And this became this unicorn game that now, you know, re- like you, you can't find it on the market for less than $3,500. And it's a simple, very simple game. Um, I've gotten really big into this, and I didn't realize that they died so early. But I think through the 90s, they kind of did. They dwindled off, and they started to taper off. And I've looked this up, and uh, what I want to talk about now is the resurgence of arcades because Nashville is going through this boom right now that is very exciting to me. Uh, At the same time, it's kind of a letdown um, because of what I thought about when I was kids and what like when I was a kid and what I got to experience when I walked into those arcades, there was neon lights on the walls and all these marquees popping up and there's sounds and there was everything because like you guys said, and I want to point that out to our listenership is it was just arcades. There was no food. There was no alcohol. There was no anything else. When you went in, you had a counter and it potentially had like a prize shelf underneath the counter (laughs) um, for you know redemption games and then you looked along the walls and it had every title that you wanted to play Mortal Kombat Simpsons um, you know Ninja Turtles Centipede it you know everything from front to back and it was really hard to maintain pinball games so those weren't accessible in a lot of arcades Um, yeah not nearly as as prominent as just regular video games real quick Oh, I just want to chime in. Oh boy, you said Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. I don't. I mean, Chuck E. Cheese can't really be considered an arcade in this aspect if we're talking about that because they did serve food and drink and it was like a and some badass entertainment. I think it can. See, I'm gonna have to disagree <laughs> with you because half the entire place is an arcade and the other half is okay, well, five people that are animatronic playing you music and pizza. Is and it that like, was it. Is it like strip clubs in Kentucky? You have to like walk outside and go to the. <laughs> yeah, I'm just talking about. I mean, if if we're going off the definition of what, true. Yeah, what I guess is you're considered right. a true pinball pinball game or a pinball a true arcade because. You're like, right, you're right. Because Showbiz Pizza and Chuck E. Cheese were around like consistently throughout that, and they de- had never had the same Showbiz. type of like negative... Uh, yeah, you you're know. right. Okay, now I agree with you, because there is a difference between Redemption Arcades and like Strictly Arcades. Like Strictly Arcades, you're putting your money in, you're trying to beat a high score, and I think Chuck E. Cheese is more of a Redemption Arcade where you're playing for tickets to get whatever is underneath well, the counter. it's like a family fun center, too. It's yeah. not... a yeah, I, I feel like there's just a difference there. Like, people aren't smoking cigs like Chase. They used smoke, to be. Not in Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah, I think. Back when it was showbiz, maybe. It was showbiz, maybe, I, I think, don't know. I think, I think, I think one of those either. bears were smoking. What it was. <laughs> beat me to that. <laughs> hey, real quick, before we get off uh, tickets, what's the biggest prize you ever bought with tickets? I know mine. Oh. All right, so I've got a story, um, and this is going to bridge the gap between arcades because a lot of you out there that live in Nashville know that Dave and Buster's is a big thing in Opry Mills Mall, and like that's one of the last arcades. I don't right? fuck that. I, I know. I, I, I know. That there's is not bigger an arcade. and better. That is game. not an arcade. I get it. There's bigger and better games there. They have they have made this like arcade on crack for people, and you put in a you know a They're card. They're nationwide and, too. Yeah, I get it. It's a chain. Yeah, yeah. So before it was Dave and Buster's, it was called Jillian's when oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Opry Mill first opened. And uh, I was in high school at the time, and my friends needed jobs. So I had a friend who got a job at 
Jillian's arcade working behind the redemption counter. And uh, I remember uh, making a deal with this certain person uh, that I would pay them a dollar for a hundred tickets. And we would work this deal out to where if I paid them a certain amount of money, I would get a certain amount of tickets. So I walked into Jillian's and walked out with the nicest prize on the wall for extremely cheap. Was that PlayStation 2? It, it, no. Were those available when we were in I high don't school? Know. No. Um, it was a Corvette, like Mercedes remote control car. And. Uh, the the top went down. The famous brand Corvette Mercedes. This yeah. is this is funny. I was I was about to I was, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, this is funny. I was about to slam you for cheating, but then I realized mine is about cheating too. I don't think I don't think we anybody legitimately went to those things. That's fu- all right. Sorry. Go ahead. No, that was it. Um, that and they uh, when the Predators were first in town. I got a Predators neon like mask and I hung it on my wall, and I think I got that thing for like thirty bucks. Mm. Gotcha. My, yeah. Mine's from a Chuck E. Cheese, and a buddy of mine, we're there for a birthday party, a, a kid we grew up with, and uh, he's like, dude, come look at this. And somebody, it was like it was like one of those um, helicopters or something that just went up and down for like small children, mm-hmm. but it looked like somebody had gashed like a hole in the side of this thing, and there were quarters just spilling out of it. <laughs> so we're like just filling our pockets up. We just robbed this machine, and then we went and just we're like, all right, we're going to buy something with these tickets. So we just got a shit ton of tickets, and I go up, and I see this leather satchel, and I'm like, yeah. I was like, I was really into Indiana Jones. I, like, I thought I was going to be Indiana Jones. I was like, I want this uh, I want this satchel. I didn't know what it was, right? They give it to me. I open it up. Uh, it was an atlas inside of it. And I was like, this this, this is bullshit. Why are you giving this out to kids? Indiana Jones would need an atlas. He would, but he would. But first of all, I've never been to an arcade where they're giving out satchels. It's all <laughs> right, like right? stuffed animals. I feel, I feel like the universe immediately corrected. pops. So. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the, yeah, the universe was like, oh, you cheated, kid. Fuck you. <laughs> you know, so arcades, you know, garnered this interest. And we talked about Dave and Buster's, which is still around and you can still go to. But it's fun for the kids. It's just it's too much. I mean, I went there, I think, the other day, and they have a Pac-Man game that is as tall as, like, a 10-foot ceiling. Yeah. And you're paying this game, you know, paying probably $6 a person to play this Pac-Man game. They may have figured it out because, um, ultimately, what I have found is, like you said, the early 80s, the arcades kind of died, right? Mm -hmm. They kind of, they blockbustered it is what I want to call it. Right. I mean, so Blockbuster tried as hard as they could to continue on as long as they could. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you go back and listen to one of our original podcasts, which is entitled Co-op and Sugarcane's Redbox Movie Reviews, we used to call the last remaining blockbusters in the country and try to talk to somebody there about a movie that we were reviewing. And we realized over time that these blockbusters were becoming less and less. Yeah, it got hard to find them. It it got really hard to find. So what I've found is um, officially the last Aladdin's Castle, which was the monopoly or the uh, biggest chain, the chain of you know arcades in the country, closed in two thousand one. 
So hmm. it hung on for quite a while. Um, Damn, dude. I still have some coins. I, fuck. You got some Aladdin's Castle <laughs> yeah. coins? Because yeah, they've been I'm, now I'm, closed for 18 years. I feel like I'm <laughs> continuing to get gypped. So in 2001, they closed. So you think arcades are done. You know, this is just a thing that has passed because consoles have taken over the world. You've got Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Nintendo 64. You've got PlayStations. You've got Xboxes. Everything that you can think of. And now, you know, Nintendo is reintroducing the wheel within the Wii and everything else. And boom, uh, in 2004, a couple of guys in Brooklyn, New York say, I don't want this to end. And they create the first barcade and literally call it barcade. Um, and like, like I said, 2004, Brooklyn, New York, um, these, these guys figured this thing out and they said, Hey, how about we take all of these people who are now old enough to drink mm-hmm. and add alcohol to these games that are just getting lost? Because what happens when arcades close and you're not making any money? All these games are sitting there all over the country. They're not making any money. They're sitting in storage warehouses. You know, it, it just died. Yeah. And um, people don't know what to do with them. So these guys say, hey, we'll buy your games pennies on the dollar. You bring the, you know, we're going to buy these games. We're going to maintain them ourselves. We'll figure out how to fix them up. We'll figure out how to maintain them. We'll put them in this space and we'll also serve alcohol. And that created the explosion. And that was in 2004. I remember going to a concert in Chicago in 2009, which is five years after this. And it's the first time I was introduced to the bar called Emporium. And I remember texting Old Boy when I got there because uh, we were obsessed with Demolition Man, the pinball game. It was just a great movie and title for a football game. I do enjoy that movie. Right. So we all enjoy that movie. I'm still waiting for Taco Bell to become every restaurant in the country. Um, Amen. Right. (laughs) So I find this game in this random bar in Chicago that I walk in called Emporium, and they're serving alcohol, they're serving food, and there is every game I've ever wanted to play from my childhood in there. And I was just blown away. I remember coming back to Nashville – uh, Juicebox, when did you move to Nashville? 2010. 2010, a year after I found that Emporium Bar. And I remember pitching it to you guys and saying, we need this in Nashville. It did not exist at the time. Yeah. Um, so, I wish I had the money to God, invest no, in that. No kidding, man. We did talk about that a lot. And it kills me, too, because, like, the, uh, you know, I used to live in Lexington, Kentucky. And, like, they opened their first arcade bar, I think, maybe 2011 or 2012 Mm -hmm. maybe maybe even before that but they were like ahead of like you know not ahead of it because people had been doing it for years already but like they had one before we had one here i was kind of surprised about that sure and why the question is why did these become popular again and it's not only like this nostalgic thing that we go through but i think it's the fact that alcohol was involved um well sure and somebody said hey let's mix if you can drink because you're legally able to drink and you can go into this establishment with all these games why not mix the two i mean you know there's not really much damage you can do to these games um Mm. you're just having fun with them i know (laughs) joystick pulls you know yeah, tilt, <laughs> tilt, Thanks. and and the alcohol is what's making the money. I mean, they they admit that the games still do not make money. Sure, yeah, and that's the best part about this is because at this point the games are cheap enough to buy because nobody, is, you know, all these 
arcades have spent so much money on these arcade games that now they're selling them on pennies on the dollar. So you can go out and buy a Pac-Man that was originally $1,200 brand new for $300 because they just wanted to get rid of it, right? They were yeah. they were done with it. They were annoyed. Um, it's kind of like, and the way I look at it is like the popularity is records. Records are big right now. Why? Because it it's almost goes on the line of fashion, um, fashion, you know, comes back every 20 years is what I hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so this stuff happens every 20 years. I'm deeply ingrained into the arcade and pinball world. And um, from what they talk about, every seven years, something happens um, and something big happens, whether it's a movie, whether it's pop culture, it brings this whole genre back. Right. Right. Oh, so they're going to bring back. They're going to reboot the wizard. Uh, I would love that, actually. And I wanted to talk about that, but a little bit later. Um, but first of all, like Ready Player One brought back a lot of this original 80s, 80s ar- you know, arcade stuff. And I honestly think that there's going to be things that continue. Ninja Turtles will continue. You know, this, yeah. this story, Batman will continue. All of this pop culture that they have built, the, built these arcades around, I think, will continue. I think Super Mario Brothers will always have a place in this world. What what did you just mention? Hmm? The Wizard? The Wizard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I wanted to touch on that because I have this idea that you... I'm the wizard are the wizard. Yeah. And for those of you that are out there that don't know what I'm talking about, um, it is a specific eighties movie starring Fred Savage, um, Uh and a girl, Jenny Lewis. Is it Jenny? Is it really Jenny Lewis? Yeah. I did not know that until right now, but the wizard starring Fred Savage and Jenny Lewis and this kid that goes out to play Super Mario three. So I'm the, I'm the unknown kid. That's got a (laughs) guy like a learning disability. (laughs) Like the idiot. idiot, You're basically saying I'm an idiot savant. That's really good at Mario. You're a rain man. at (laughs) video video games. games? Um, I, I will be the first to admit that. Oh, boy. Holy shit. Was that movie Rain Man for kids? I think it was Rain Man for kids. It's basically it. So what what I wanted to do was talk to you guys out there about uh, this resurgence and specifically uh, Nashville because Nashville has seen this explosion over the last few years and it will continue, right? So we started, if I'm not mistaken, with um, headquarters downtown. Well, no, uh, what was before uh, Two Bit? Oh, two. Uh, on actually, you're absolutely right. Two Bits Pizza on Demumbrian, which still exists, and I think it's on its last leg. Is it, I haven't been not. there in a long time. Yeah, um, Two Bits Pizza on Demumbrian, uh, but it was more of a pizza place with probably nine games in it. Right? Is so, that it? Okay. Yeah. I remember going there, and they I know had you some... can get the console game at your table, which is isn't what we're talking about, obviously. But sure, anyway. um, as far as arcades go, I think Two Bits, you're right, was the first. Um, headquarters downtown and Kung Fu kind of came hand in hand, mm-hmm. which Kung Fu's in Midtown. Uh, they introduced a lot more video games to the market, but the way that this works now is that these bars have the money to buy these video games and bring them into their bar. And they just kind of upcharge the beer, or you know, it's yes. all free play. Everything, by what a quarter? It's not a. It's not by a quarter. It's yeah. by like two dollars. Yeah. Um. So they are 
making their money, you know, off of something where we would walk into the red door and pay $5. We're now paying $9 at these places, but we're able to play these video games for free, which is nostalgic, right? Yes. Um, so Kung Fu headquarters, two bits were kind of the first three. Then, um, no quarter opened in East Nashville. And that, that specifically spoke to me because no quarter, you know, same thing. You go in and buy a beer. They give you a little. You get, they give you a couple of tokens every time you buy a beer, so you can play pinball. No quarter is a specific pinball bar. Um, they have fifteen it, pins. It's the best too. Yeah, I could do that. Been there. It's dark. It's uh, nobody's really bothering you. It, you know, if you're there to, as a hardcore player, like or just somebody searching out new pinball machines, it's a great place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in a little tiny strip mall in East Nashville. Kind of like the Bluebird Cafe. Everybody thinks the Bluebird Cafe is this historic thing. It's right next door to a Verizon Wireless and like a thrift shop, right? <laughs> no Quarter is in the same position except you get to play pinball. It's awesome. Um, so those are the like the four that are in Nashville. Now, I say four. This is such a big city, but there's some shit blowing up right now. Uh, Penn's Mechanical Company and 16-bit... Um, Arcade just opened in, uh, it's over there next to 12th South, 12th and Porter-ish area. Oh, okay. I went in there the other day. It's it's cool. They've got a few, you know, arcade games. They've got a few pinball games, but they're more specifically focused to this old mechanical pin bowling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a huge complex. It's like a big headquarters. And I don't want to dig on headquarters downtown, but... You know, you're paying overpriced beers. You're playing games that are, you know, not necessarily upkept and maintained. Yeah, that's the most frustrating part about headquarters. I don't mind paying a couple extra bucks for a beer if the games are all in, like, working condition. But a lot of times you'll go in there and there's, like, three or four that just aren't working. And then some of that are working, like the joystick halfway works, which just ruins the experience of the whole thing. Absolutely. Um, Especially when you're, you know, when you're going in there to win something. And something is faulty. It frustrates you. That's always frustrated me about video games. I I used to say video games took my friends. Um, Mm -hmm. And those were the consoles because everybody would be inside playing them. Now, the difference is arcade games, you're playing and people are crowded around you and they're watching, they're cheering you on and they're waiting for their turn and they're seeing how you know, you're going to fuck up and they're going to make fun of you for that. And I think that was more like this interactive thing as everybody sitting on the couch playing Grand Theft Auto, trying to get as many stars as you can um, and competing against each other on the opposite Mm -hmm. end, right? You just described my experience with the game Street Fighter 2 in the arcade when I was a kid. Like, people would just crowd, not crowd around me, I wasn't good at it, but there were people that were good at it and just go up there and just run like 10 people in a row, like, when we were talking about shopping video games earlier, that yeah, I'd go watch other kids play Street Fighter. Right, like, yeah. 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 So in Nashville, we have Headquarters Kung Fu, Two Bits Pizza, No Quarter. Penn's Mechanical is the newest one that's opened. Um, I, I want to give you guys a heads up on things that are set to open. Um, there's a bar called Up Down um, that's set to open on Woodland Street in, in the Five Points area of East Nashville. Um, it started in Des Moines, Iowa. It now has locations in Kansas City, Minneapolis, uh, a couple of places in Minnesota. And it is set to open in East Nashville with a rooftop bar um, and then a, you know, a pin like pin and arcade area downstairs. To me, that just says, hey, 
we're just doing the same thing that these other five places have had an idea of doing. Yeah. Well, let me read that history over to you again. Okay. You got a bunch of you got a bunch <laughs> of places that open up doing the same thing. You're gonna you're gonna get less foot traffic. But I mean, you know, I mean that's I, I get it. It's a draw right now. For I sure. get what you're saying. So we're, you're saying we're we're about to full circle this entire pen, or this entire arcade wave of the late seventies, early nineties, and you don't and the. They're, it's not like they're churning out a whole lot of new arcades. I mean, there are some, but there's not a bunch of, you know what I mean? It's kind of... New arcades are garbage, and they're set for Dave and Busters. Right. You yep. know? And, and I think younger generation don't want to play older stuff sometimes. Pinball pinball's one thing, but I think like if you show a kid Street Fighter now, and they're like, man, what is this, dude? Get, yeah. this, get this junk out of here. That's a great point, because I've got... I like to redo arcade games, and I have a few in my basement. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, four-player, 1989. 1993, NBA Jam, four-player tournament edition. I've got a centipede with 600 games in one. And my kids, they get bored because they have Nintendo Wii, and they have, you know, uh, Switch, and you know everything that... They can do in their hands. They get bored playing the exact same game over and over again. Right. So ultimately, this arcade resurgence is directly, you know, uh, aimed at a, aimed at us at an age group. Yeah. yeah, yeah, at us. And it's not only men; it's women. It's people who grew up, you know, mid seventies to late eighties, and we all had a blast because this is the only way we could access these things. We mm-hmm. couldn't afford these things in our homes up until what 88 when you know we could all afford nintendo i mean you're exactly right about that like i remember going to headquarters when it first opened and getting a beer and just playing uh the simpsons game like all the way from beginning to end and like beating it and thinking to myself i put the equivalent of like 30 dollars worth of credits into this game like there's no way as a kid i was ever gonna have 30 dollars to spend (laughs) yeah yeah you're right yeah that's, I would that's have never gotten it past the third level of that game yeah. when I was a kid. Dude, that gave me like carpal tunnel too playing it. <laughs> yes. so, something I should probably talk about. It wasn't an arcade by any means, but I, I worked at a movie theater growing up and it had a lot. It had, uh, it had, All Ms. Of them it did. had I got paid five twenty five to play Miss Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I, I do want to tell you, I, I, you said I was the wizard. I'm telling you, I will school you at that. okay that's fun and and that same movie theater that you worked in i you, set all still, i set every high score in every single game <laughs> it still yields one of my favorite games oh, and yeah. a unicorn of all time which is point blank two yep which is a two-player shooter game i have yet to be able to find uh, kind of like Tapper. It's it's yeah. extremely expensive if you can find it. Damn. Um, but there weren't a lot of them made. Really? Point Blank 2 is a, a rarity? It is a rare. So what I wanted to hmm. say was this resurgence in Nashville, headquarters, Kung Fu, two bits, no quarter, pins mechanical, set to open is up down. Um, there is another thing that is coming to Nashville. And I have never been more excited about something um, because ultimately, we re- all three of us recently visited the um, the pinball expo, the pinball and arcade expo in Nashville. Yeah, it's called the Grand Old Game Room Pinball and Arcade Expo. It happens at the Millennium Maxwell House every year, and it gets me very excited for things because there are you know three four hundred games in there. 
they have different rooms with old school consoles, new school consoles. They have VR. They have you know pinballs. They have old old mark arcade machines, and uh, there's a company out there called Music City Pinball that's about to open one of the greatest things, in my opinion, I think in the country. Um, it's called Game Terminal. It's going to be 10,000 square feet, 300 plus games, claiming the largest private selection of games that are uh, publicly available in the entire country. It's going to open in South Nashville in January. Damn. Yep, that's where all the quarters are too. That's there's going to be no quarters. <laughs> the rich side though. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed listening. If you don't have children, have one. Have one. Catch up. Yeah, we want you to know what we go through. Yeah, the fear. I got a pocket full of quarters and I'm headed to the. Island.